Welcome to the Blends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. Creativity is often taught as a solo practice, and therefore a person that is good at drawing or music is said to be creative. But creativity for kids as well as adults is not limited to the creative arts. Most things we value in life today did not derive from an original idea, but rather concepts that have been blended, broken, or blended. A result from disciplined focus, connecting big picture insights with rigor and testing and small variations. This podcast is to inspire you to create your future, a future you can be proud to live in. On this podcast, you will learn creative practices, stories from creatives themselves, and creativity and history. Looking to get started with an idea? Visit troyrice.life and join a creativity group sharing your idea for thoughtful and rapid feedback to help you create your future. All right, now go blend, break, and blend our world, your world. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Bends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. On today's show, we have inventor Grant Tomasi. Grant founded a company called Sense Metrics, which provides standard-based approaches for collecting, organizing, and structuring data from the physical world. Grant is now the founder and CEO of Juni. Grant, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So the first question we ask all of our guests is, what does creativity mean to you? Yeah, uh, obviously creativity is a big part of my life, so I've spent a bit thinking about this. Uh, And I think in a simplest answer, it's just creating something that wasn't there in the world before. And that can be as simple as, you know, a new dish you made for dinner, or it could be as complex as a full large system like the internet or a computer or something. But what I really find unique about creativity is that, and I was thinking about this the last few days, is that we're the only creative species uh, human that being humans. I mean, you, I guess you could argue some animals might have some limited creativity, but for the most yeah. part, they're not painting a Sistine Chapel uh, <laughs> uh, for at least not doing it for fun. And right. And why is that? Uh, and how does that tie into my thinking on what definition of creativity and what it means to me? And what's unique about us is that we have a very developed neocortex that, uh, you know, your brain is essentially a pattern recognition system. So it says, oh, that's an apple or that's a, an, a the letter A or whatever it is. And creativity happens when you start combining those modular components and those patterns in a new way that that you didn't think of before no one's thought of before and so you say here's i recognize that pattern that pattern that pattern okay i'm thinking about that let me put that together in a new way and we do this because we need to solve a problem first of all uh because we need it like oh we need to eat or we need to do this or um, but we also do it for enjoyment. And that's the part that's really unique is why do we do that? Why is it so integral to our driving our happiness? And I think that that's really because creativity drives humanity forward. It's biologically fit thing that we developed. And going back to the neocortex, like we developed that because it allows our species to advance in a way that um, goes beyond just the rudimentary things that we need to do on a daily basis to survive. 
Um, and so when you think about it from a biologically fit perspective, uh, it drives a lot of happiness. It, it is something that it gives your brain a pleasure feedback or happiness feedback. And so it's so important to do on a regular basis. And for me, you know, I, I, I've many times in my life and thought about what makes me happy on a day to day basis and building and innovating and creating things is at the top of the list, if not the top of the list. And so for me, creativity is also just a, it, it's equal to happiness in my mind. Um, and that, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. So one thing I love what you did there is you went to neuroscience a little bit, right? Yeah. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to, to brain health and neuroscience. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like we, we store these, these memories and these thoughts in these cortical columns in our memories. And sometimes yeah. when we create, we get to connect those dots together. Otherwise they just stay stored there. And then we have this picture of the world of how we see it. So when we break that down, we give our ability to create something we're, we're building like a new world, which is really cool. Um, so let's, let's dig in there a little bit. And so where did this start for you? Like, was this a long age and feel free to go back as far as you, as you need to. Yeah. I mean, the first elements of it that I can really remember is uh, probably building things at a young age out of Legos and a Rector set. Uh, and my brother and I would compete on building things. Uh, and it, it was always just so much fun to see the end result because for me, the, the, the strongest, uh, or you get the most satisfaction when you have an idea, but, and that's the exciting part. And then at the end, when you see that come to fruition, the in between is the part that people get hung up on because that's just the monotonous part of actually building it. And, uh, I mean, from a young age, just wanting to create something that other people could see and enjoy. And even if one person is like, that's really cool, or I'm using that thing that you built, I just get so much gratification out of that. Um, I mean, I, that's some small, simple example. That's actually one of the more interesting things that I created that's not very complex was when I was in high school, I got really into the idea of building a t-shirt cannon and, and, and friends nowadays will talk about this, like, cause there's, this was before kind of social media and people had their smartphones out, but so there's not really any record yeah. of it, but, uh, I, for using a sprinkler valve and some PVC pipes and some metal pipes and, mm -hmm. um, a CO2 canister for paintballing, uh, and some simple electronics, switches built, uh, a t-shirt cannon and fired off t-shirts at the football games. Uh, and, and it was so much fun. And it was literally just going to Home Depot, getting parts and building that. And obviously I had some influence from the internet and blog posts, but I was just taking ideas of things that other people had done. I think I read a blog post about a water cannon. And then yeah. I thought, oh, well, paintballing, that's, you know, compressed air and put that all together. And you know, just did it. <laughs> that is neat, man. Yeah. I, I, I have a couple of stories and so, so I work in farming and uh, you know, farmers are quite inventive. Like they have to create these, these random tools on the farm and they need, especially if they don't have money or capital. And yeah, uh, yeah. this one farmer created a pumpkin shooter, um, shoot pumpkins <laughs> at targets and, and have fun with kids and families. And then it was so well uh, received that 
he started creating like licensing agreements and selling it uh, to, to other people. So it's just, it's really fun uh, when you go down that journey. Uh, but two, two things that you said in there, actually, um, competition. Uh, I want to wonder if we can dig into that a little bit to see if there's something there about competition uh, with your brother. Um, and then the, the last thing I think you said in there uh, was creating something for other people. And so I know that it drives happiness for us, but in an essence, it almost feels like every time we create, we're really, it's helping somebody else uh, because somebody else is going to benefit from what we create. Uh, and so let's, let's break those down. So competition. Um, I grew up with a, with a brother close in age, but like, were you guys competitive in everything growing up? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also have my sister now. We, the three of us are, you know, just over Christmas, we were at home and coming up with mini games to play. And uh, one of the things we did over Christmas, we created a game in a batting cage out of nowhere where we just had a point scale and what you did uh, was you competition is a healthy dose of it really drives a lot of innovation and resourcefulness and creativity Mm. because you have to think quickly you have to come up with something and uh i actually when we were little kids one time my mother did a gave us uh, a limited number of popsicle sticks and a hot glue gun and this is a great exercise i think for kids actually and we had, let's say, I don't know, 250 popsicle sticks and two sticks of glue. I think it was something like that. And we had to build bridges that were going to be put, yay, dimensions apart on and then hold weight. And whoever could hold the most weight wins. Uh, and simple things like that, it yeah. just adds that little spark of uh, making it more fun and making there be something on the line. Uh, what was the second one that you just, this competition? Uh, cr- then, creation for others. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's all about is, is doing something for other people, you know, as an adult, when I look around and think about what motivates me the most, it's, it's truly when you see the inequities in the world or things that you want to make a big difference on, um, you know, like I've always wanted to work in biomed or medicine or something and, and invent things in that field because you just, see things and it makes you sad or unhappy and you want to make it right. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I have never worked in those fields, but the things that I do do have had a large impact on uh, preventing lots of bad things from happening, you know, like disasters that happen on a large scale that pollute large areas or people that add to a lot of safety and systems and all sorts of things like that. And there is just no better feeling than or driving force i guess than that because no amount of money or other incentive could be more satisfying than you go to bed every night and you're like oh something that i designed and i built out there in the world is helping make it a better place and helping other people yes beautiful man beautiful so you created two companies your ceo and founder of juni now uh, but before that you created sense metrics so Tell us a little bit about Sense Metrics, but most importantly, can I tell us how you created it? Like, how did you piece it together uh, to what it is today? Sure. Uh, we, so when I was working out of college, I was doing a lot of stuff that 
wasn't necessarily I, I had a great job. I loved the people I worked with and everything, but I wasn't doing a lot of creative things on a daily basis. And I wasn't really using that engineering that I had loved so much and I wanted to get back to that. So I took the risk and I left my job, even though I had no real reason to other than the fact that I wasn't truly excited and happy about it on a daily basis. And I just wanted to start something new. And I didn't know what that was going to be actually when I, when I left my job, I started some other, I worked on some other things for maybe six months, eight months, and I had no success with it. Uh, and I met a, my former business partner who was in the services industry. He was working um, on the, the Q line that now goes, it's the Upper East Side train in Manhattan. Uh, and he was here for some projects monitoring it. And he told me that when we met for beers one night, because uh, he was friends with my brother. And I said, he's got some interesting stuff. Let me meet with him. And he was like, man, there's all these sensors out there. There's all these instruments that if somebody could just talk to them all and then build a, one platform where you can see it and visualize the data, because engineers have been using these sensors for 50 60 years ever since well, maybe even longer in some cases but there's yeah. sensors in the world around you everywhere uh, like you're probably familiar with agriculture mm -hmm. there's lots of sensors doing lots of things but nobody has even now but especially i don't know 10 years ago a standardized way of bringing all that data together so he was like well, man if you could build a wireless box that just plugs in all these sensors sends the data up and then a a user interface that people can alert and graph on that data. And I was like, I think I could build that. And, uh, and so we did, and there was a lot of bins and breaks along the way. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> there was, uh, plenty of those and plenty of rejections and, um, just being scrappy and for the first two years, especially, but eventually started getting out one by one on sites and, now the, those devices are everywhere in the world, and um, and I'm and I'm very happy about that. Yes, yeah. I mean, you mentioned bend and breaking in there, but I would say like the result of what you created was a blending uh, of all platforms that you just figure out a way to integrate together, uh, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, nothing that I've ever built in my career or life or for fun has has had some amazingly novel thing like a light bulb or something it's it's been yeah well, there's different things out there and how can i can knowing what technologies are available and what you can do at the right time and in a reasonable amount of time and then putting those together in a fast and efficient way and that's innovation excellent man that's perfect um because a lot a lot of why we we create this show is because something stops people from creating and whether they started with Legos when they're a kid and then they become an adult and then they just don't, um, something stops them along the way. But I think what stops them is they constantly think about the originality of an idea. Like it has to be the first person, right? It has to be the first Facebook. It has to be the first uh, NFT. Like it doesn't, right? Yeah, it just has no. to be observations and creativity within innovating things together, breaking, blending, um, uh, and, and shaping them. So it's just that it's what you just shared is an amazing story of exactly that. So hopefully that inspires somebody out there to just take a look at what they're doing right now uh, and see how it can be shaped into something different for value. Yeah. I think, I think people get hung up on 
uh, a few things. One, they don't think they have the experience. Two, they don't think they have the resources. And experience and resources do help. I mean, I'm not going to yes. say it doesn't, obviously. But when I was getting started with Sensemetrics, I had no money. And uh, I, I don't have a, a major in computer science. I've actually never had any formal training in computer science. Um, I've been around a lot of people that do a lot of computer science, but I was Google searching uh, and just writing code every day. And I did, you know, a couple thousand hours and then got better at it. And that you don't have to have formal training and lots of resources to just, you. the one thing you do have to do is invest the time um, because yeah. there's no way around that. Yeah. And start. Right. And the beginning, yeah, just do it. The yeah. very first thing you said was I wasn't happy with what I was doing. So I want to do something different. So I just started uh, to do something, you know, and, and you met your friend and you guys put your ideas together, but you started. Right. And so that's some, some place people never get. Yeah. To. When we, when we first demoed uh, maybe six months into what we were doing to this one company that at the time was pretty big in the, the geotechnical industry, they were a sensor manufacturer. And we demoed something to them and it was like, like we dropped a sensor in the water out on a dock. And then when it got to a certain depth, got a, everybody got a ding on their phone. It was a cool little demo where it was like, oh, you know, the water level was above this. So we got an alert on our phone. But then we went back in the conference room and they were just like, you know, that's that's cool. But give us a call when you're uh, bigger and we actually care. <laughs> and it was just, I was so bummed after that. It was complete rejection, whatever, oh, sure. but you just keep going and um, you just have to keep just like waking up every day and saying, I'm going to build, I'm going to build, I'm going to build. And eventually something will hit. Yeah. Just show up. I mean, yeah. you, you think that maybe in the moment it probably felt like, uh, you know, objection and failure, but you were noticed. And you took one step forward, right? And then you kept showing up. Um, and that's where it starts. Like people notice you and then you keep showing up and there you are with something. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing about failing is it's just, or maybe not failing, but there, there is no true such thing as failing. Like anytime you, I think, oh, who was it? Somebody um, said, maybe it was Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody else said about failing is like that uh, it's, it's a critical part of the process. And it's only failure if you don't get back up um, because yes. what it's an opportunity when you fail, quote unquote, or get rejected or whatever, it's an opportunity then to prove someone else wrong. It's an opportunity to learn what to do better the next time. How do you sharpen your pitch? How do you change your product? How do you uh, design something differently or change it, how people will like it? And, and then you migrate forward and it's, it's yeah. just a matter of having the grit to get through it. Um, I, I, I've always felt that grit is more important to creativity and success in creativity than, you know, any innate ability that people might have to start with. Okay. Powerful, man. Um, so the shift to Juni, was yeah. it easier after knowing that you created sense metrics on this journey? Like was creating Juni easier and then tell us a little bit about it yeah i mean you certainly have more confidence with to say <laughs> oh you know I've, I've built something so i can do it again uh but in in a way that 
you still have a little bit of trepidation about it because you people have expectations of okay well you did this now do something bigger uh and, and or maybe people don't and i you expect that of yourself or whatever it is you know you're ultimately your biggest critic and mm. a lot of the things that you think people are saying or thinking about you is actually just you thinking about yourself but um <laughs> you know i i you learn a lot uh, the first time you do anything and you take that with you for the next time and a lot of things become faster and easier uh certainly for me that's the case with junie i uh a lot of the things that i learned lessons about the first time which there were many of um uh, doing right this time or in different ways and it helps tremendously. So, so tell us a little bit about Juni. Um, is it similar to Sense Metrics, or do you go completely different spectrum? Well, uh, the, the, there's similarities. It's it's definitely different. Uh, we ha th this is more like tools for uh, many different industries. Sense Metrics kind of was. Uh, ultimately very limited to the geotechnical and geospatial industry and dealing with sensors in those industries. Um, but Juni is more like if you are building a smart bike or a, a robot that you're going to put in the middle of the ocean or really anything, how do you solve the problem of that robot or sensor or whatever device is in the world has a connectivity to the internet and ultimately some server somewhere and be transmit that data easily and reliably when there's so much data being generated in the world nowadays. Uh, and, the, and the idea was inspired from me looking at, uh, well, these fancy videos of Google now owns Boston Dynamics and everybody's seen now the spot robot that's scary because it looks like it's gonna kill us all one day. Uh, <laughs> But when that started coming out a few years back, I started thinking, well, the intelligence is going to be somewhere in the cloud. And these, because you can't put a, enough processing, at least not now, on board. And how's that data going to get back and forth? How are you going to put a robot in the middle of the ocean and communicate over satellites to some server somewhere unless you have some ability to do that. And what we do at Juni is figure out and we make it easy to do that. So if you're some student that's creating a sensor for his pool and he wants to monitor the uh, levels of, uh, you know, I don't know, chemicals in the pool or whatever to some guy that's building a very complicated device that he's cleaning the oceans with, how do you get that data back and forth? And we make it really easy so that people can move faster to do that. And then we yeah. become a building block in other people's inventions. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the theme of the company. No, that's neat. We, my, uh, so I have a four kids, but nine-year-old son. And um, we went down this route a few years ago. We're doing laundry. The, la the whole laundry process is just a little bit uh, inundated yeah. and, and ridiculous. So we went down this process of what would it look like to create a personalized robot that would yeah. actually put your clothes in the washer and then move it to the dryer and then be able to fold it. Um, and we even met with robotic companies in the area and they said like the data transformation, the software packages, the personalization to your different device of, of your dryer, your washer uh, would make it very difficult. 
And as you were talking about Juni, like I just like something went off in my head. I was like, wait a minute, like this might be the communication device that kind of helps bridge that gap, knowing that you still have to be sophisticated and, de and developing the software package, um, obviously, but um, fascinating, man. Yeah. I, the laundry thing is a very actually complicated problem. Uh, I, I think there were some people at Stanford doing with this $700,000 robot that they built that like just trying to fold clothes. And it's, yep. it's so complicated for, it's amazing what a human can find very simple, but with a building software to do can just be, be a tremendously difficult problem. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to that at its simple form, like a robot is taught to do A and B, right? And that's why yeah. a lot of auto, auto manufacturers use it, Amazon facilities, uh, because it's so standardized. Uh, so yeah. when you get to a different process, yeah, it becomes, well, my robot's going to cost me a lifetime just to do, just to save time. So, <laughs> but uh, anyways, that's really neat, man. So one thing that we like to dig in with our guests too is so throughout that journey. So we, we talked about your childhood. We talked about getting into sense metrics and then Juni. Um, and then you also alluded to a little bit of, of brain science uh, in there. What practices have you done over the years to kind of maintain, let's say mental toughness, I guess, uh, where the grit comes from. Uh, and then any other practices to kind of get your creativity juices flowing on a daily basis especially like during times when it just doesn't yeah. feel like the day you want to do it. Right. And yeah. so do you have any insights on that? Absolutely. Uh, because it is something that I try and iterate every day and I have to, yeah. uh, I think the, 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 the starting point, and this, these are the hurdles that people run into when they're trying to do creative or whatever. And, and, and the first step is the simplest stuff that you'll hear from anybody, which is, Getting in the right mindset, sleep and exercise are critical. Um, ultimately, you think about it, you've heard this concept, people talk, call it the flow. I, there's a, like a whole book on it, but I've never actually yeah. read it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And that the flow is real. I, I, I can attest to there's been times in my life, many times that, I, you know, you're just in the zone and that's like, you're unstoppable, but it's really hard to get into that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the ultimate goal is get in that environment and, and not the same things work for everybody. I mean, I've seen engineers use all different practices to get there and everybody's got their own thing, but I'll tell you what works for me. And what I think works for a lot of people is sleep is really important uh, to creativity. Uh, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's thing on sleeping faster uh, and, and being more time in the day. I don't disagree with being regimented, but sometimes when it's the next day and I, I, uh, I know I'm just going to be writing code all day or something, I turn off my alarm. And there's, there's benefits to being in the regular schedule and regimen, but sometimes just sleeping in makes you be able to work and be creative and have your brain kicking for eight, nine hours a day and longer than you would if you were tired. Uh, exercise is just for me critical. I swim. It's it's very important. Uh, and then clear your clearing your mind and your so that's the baseline. Then clearing your mind and schedule from distractions, because I think that the the best and most creative moments are when you have unencumbered focus, and that's the one that's the most difficult for people. I think because you have a lot of distractions in life. It's not easy to just block out a five hour period and say. 
I'm not going to think about anything else. But uh, especially now with people's phones and your families and your this and that, but you have to do it. I mean, that's just the most critical. Uh, for me, I listen to music. It just, you know, it shuts off your brain to other things and allows you to kind of get in the zone and invest the time to do it. Um, so then we're, we've we've gotten into the, the 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 zone, let's say. So then it's it creative being creative is a lot like problem solving. You you have to break things down into the components and start with the low hanging fruit, uh, and that's the that's the one that is the most easy to say, but people really don't. Um, do that well sometimes because they get overwhelmed thinking about the whole, the problem. Like they want to build something grandiose and big, but you got to start with just, all right, if you're building a car, well, let's start with the engine and work our way from there. So if you break it into modular components, everything becomes more ingestible and you can start thinking about a modular component. And if you get bad writer's block, I mean, writer's block occurs in every field and even in just basic engineering, when you get that writer's block, just focus on one of the components that is easy and then hmm. everything will start flowing from there. Um, and, and then when you get hung up or you get tired or whatever, step away. That's a critical part is don't keep just trying to plow through when your mind isn't in the right place. Step away, go shower, go eat dinner. Um, and then back to the neurological stuff, uh, there's a big, I, I think Ray Kurzweil talked about this in his book, um, if you're familiar with him, but he's a, uh, He's what I think of as like a phenomenal innovator and great thinker. He, but he talks about what the brain actually does when you think about the problem you're working on or what you're designing. And then you sleep, you, you literally think about it before falling asleep mm. and then your brain will rewire itself and you'll maybe dream about it, maybe not, but your brain will um, create new connections and paths between the things that you're thinking about and then so the next day you'll be refreshed and have new ideas that you didn't have the day before. Uh, but the, the other thing is you don't want to step away for too long because your brain does build up a mental model of things. And if you are working on a paper or a painting or, or, or writing code or whatever it is, and you step away for weeks, then you have to rebuild that whole thing in your brain again later. So it's good to step away for an evening or a day, but you want to come back to it relatively quickly. Um, th th those are like the main things that I do on a regular basis. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, there's a there's a book. Um, well, I think it's excellent. I call it Beautiful Constraint. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it talks a lot about the things that you're mentioning, which is like you get to this critical threshold. Instead of pushing through it, you start to ask propelling questions, and then you either sleep on it or you walk away and you take a break and then you come back. And so it's that beautiful tension in the problem solving process that is best solved uh, by letting your mind take just a minute uh, yeah, and yeah. then moving forward. And so, so it's an amazing book, but it sounds like you practice it already. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, Grant. So I know uh, you're not, and we talked about this offline that you're not, uh, can't be found that much on social media, but how can people find you? Like if they're curious about sense metrics, uh, Junie, or just reaching out to you, uh, about anything that we talked about today, what's the best way for people to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I can't imagine I won't always have a LinkedIn or Facebook where people can message me or, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I will definitely receive it. My, and, and I love when people reaching out, out to me and ask for, um, thoughts or feedback or help or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, and my email is my first name dot my last name at gmail.com. Um, okay. And, you know, that I, I'm always available. Great. Well, thank you, Grant. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks for sharing your invention journey and your practice with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you to all our listeners out there as we end the show. Um, again, I'm your host, Troy Rice, on the Bends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. And we look forward to having another amazing guest with you next time.